Okay, the Pasuk uh, tells us in Parashas Nitzavim, in connection with the mitzvah of Tshuva, that it is uh, imminently close to you, and it's uh, in your mouths, in your hearts to perform it. But in what sense is tshuva so close to us? Very close. The Shinever in the Divrei Yechezko explains, uh, based on the Pesach and Parashas V'aschanan, that we say every day in Kriyashma, We shall love our Kaddish Baruch with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, uh, and with all of our possessions, Mo'edecha. So similarly, says the Shinever, the first step in Shuva, is to serve our Kaddish Baruch with our Mo'ed, with our possessions. And the way that we go about earning a Parnosa is also part of our Avodah Hashem and a critical uh, part of, of Tshuva, making sure that uh, we're conducting ourselves properly in that pursuit. And of course, uh, and we are a uh, model of this, is, uh, is Harbor Group, and particularly uh, Saul and everyone who works in this office, who really uh, integrates that as, as, as part of their ethos, is that the way that they go about their business, of course, is, uh, is, uh, is also part of their Avodah Hashem. And we thank them for, again, this is one manifestation of that. We thank them for modeling that for all of us. And we, we hope uh, in that zechus, in the zechus that we're, uh, we're, we have that mindset as well, may we uh, all have a year of brach and hatzlacha b'chol masa yadenu. I wanted to discuss this, uh, this afternoon, the, uh, the, which, uh, you know, we, sometimes we see which shoifers are kosher for the mitzvah of shoifer, because sometimes we see pictures of uh, shoifers that don't really look like the shoifer that we see uh, in Shul and Rosh Hashanah. Where do those shoifers come from, and can, uh, what kind of shoifer uh, is acceptable for the mitzvah of Tehiyah shoifer and Rosh Hashanah? So the Mishnah tells us in Mesechlis Rosh Hashanah, and Chavav Amaral, of Koah, shoifers, k'sherim, all uh, horns of an animal that can be made into a shoifer, are kosher, chutz mishel parah, with the exception of the shoifer of a parah, of a cow, or of a bull. Why are those excluded, and all other horns of animals are acceptable? So the Gemara presents three possible reasons why the shoifer of a parah uh, is different. The first is already found in the Mishnah, because it's referred to by the Pasuk not as a shoifer, but rather as a keren, as a horn. Where is that? In the Pasuk in Parashas V'zayis HaBracha, Bechar Shairoi Hadar Loi, V'karnei Re'em Karnav. The horns of the shar, of the ox, of the bull, are uh, similar to the horns of the Re'em. V'karnei Re'em Karnav. But it's horns of the, uh, of the cow, of the bull, referred to not as a shoifer, but are referred to as a karen, as a horn. And the Mishnah says, and the Gemara Pasuk says, in Rosh Hashanah, of course, we're supposed to blow a shoifer, not a horn. That's the first, it's a you know, linguistic uh, problem, impediment. However, Ula introduces a second reason, it's found in the Gemara, that is because uh, the, shoif, the, uh, <coughs> the cow, the bull, of course, was the, uh, the animal that was used as part of the Chet HaEgel, uh, was a calf, a baby cow. And therefore, one is not allowed to use a shoifer of a para because it reminds the Rebunna Shalolam of the Chet HaEgel and Ein Kategor Nasasanegor. The item that was once used for an Avera cannot then be turned around and used to, to evoke the mercy of the Rebunna Shalolam Ein Kategor Nasasanegor. Parenthetically, though, we find many mitzvahs which uh, focus around the cow, around the bull, around the calf, for example. Plus, it says in Parashat Shemini, at the time of the Chanukah Samishka, one of the karbonas that was brought was a calf. Or the paraduma itself, which is there to uh, purify a person who comes in contact with the tummy maze, of course, is a cow, is a para, is a calf. What happened to the principle of en kategor, nasasanegor? This itself is going to remind the Rebbe of, uh, of the chetaegor. How can we turn around and use that uh, for a mitzvah? 
So Maral explains in the Gur Aryeh and Parashashmini, Kaychem, that quotes the same thing in the name of the Sfasemes, is that the there is different because we're using uh, the para to be machaper for the cheta ego itself. As Rashi quotes from Moshe Darshan, why is the para duma the means that we use in order to purify a person from tamei meis? Because yavo ha'aim, but that the, the mother comes to clean up the mess of the child, uh, that the paraduma is itself being machaper for the cheta ego. So when one is using an item, the machaper for that, uh, you know, that was, a, you know, that was used for an avera, but then we're using that same item to rectify, to atone for that avera itself, then it's entirely appropriate uh, to use uh, that animal. Or at the time of the Chanukah Samishkan, they brought a para to be machaper for the cheta ego. So then it's entirely appropriate. The Gemara says in Masechus Brachis, that uh, why is it that after eating from the Eitzadas, Adam and Chava chose to cover themselves by Vayasperu Alei Se'ena. They covered themselves in fig leaves. So the Gemara says in Brachas, because according to one opinion, the Eitzadas was itself a fig tree. So, in the item itself in which they failed, in which they succumbed, they ate from the Eitzadas, they took that item in order to achieve an atonement, the Kapara, and they used it uh, in order to cover themselves. In that item itself, where a person failed, he should attempt to rectify his mistake. When is it a problem of Ein Kategor, Nasa Sanegor, that the item that was used for an Avera cannot be turned around and used for a mitzvah, is when it's for a general atonement. When one wants to take a shofar of, uh, of an ego, of a para, and uh, turn around and use it for a general tshuva of Rosh Hashanah, or the Kain Gadol, is going to wear the golden begadim, he's not allowed to wear them inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It reminds the Rebbe Shlom of the Chetego, he's only permitted to wear them outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Because there, he's not being machaper for the Chetego, he's not atoning or rectifying the Chetego, he's attempting to achieve a general atonement, the general kapar of Yom Kippurim. So then we apply the rule of En Kategor, Nasasanegar. I think it has an important message in general that's appropriate for this, you know, apropos to the time of year that we find ourselves in, and that is that a person uh, has to recognize his own mistakes and attempt to fix them. Even though we made Averis in the past, we should take the item itself that was the vehicle of the Averis, turn around and use it to achieve atonement, to, uh, to, to rectify our shortcoming. However, we should never allow our mistakes in one area uh, to affect our progress or attempting to improve in another area. So yes, we can attempt to fix this problem. When you're dealing with the Cheta Ego itself, we should use an Ego to attempt to rectify the problem. Let's deal with the problem and fix it. But we should never allow, en Katego, Ego, we shouldn't allow the Cheta Ego to impede our progress, our success in other areas of Avodah Hashem. So of course we need to address our problems, but even if there's an issue we can't yet deal with, we shouldn't uh, allow that, to, that, that, that shouldn't prevent us from improving in other areas of Avodah Hashem. Okay, so that's the second reason that the shaifer of the para is excluded. It reminds the Rebbe of the Chet And then, in the third line over here, the Gemara quotes from Abaye, the fourth line, that the shaifer of the para is different because the Pasuk says, shaifer, you should blow a shaifer, and not shnaim v'shloisha shaifers. And the cow's horn, horn of a para, uh, seems to present itself as if it's more than one shaifer. Rashi says it grows gildy, gildy. It grows in rings. So just if you flip to the other side of the page, you'll see the second picture, the first row, the second uh, picture from the left. So that's a cow's horn, or the horn of a bull. Um, And you see it has different colors uh, in the middle, which is unusual. So, you know, it kind of looks like it's two shaifers put together. So Rashi suggests that perhaps that's why the shofar of the par was excluded, because it looks like two shofaris 
Does it's not one uh, one shayfer. So we have three reasons why the shayfer of the power is excluded, either because it's described in the pasuk of Parshas Zayisabrach as a keren, or because it reminds me of the chet ha'egel and kategor nasas anegar, or because it looks like shnai and v'shloisha shayfers, and the pasuk says shayfer achas. But other than that, right? Other than the shayfer of the para, all other shayfers seem to be acceptable. The Mishnah said kol hashayfers k'sherim chutz mishal para. Taisvis though adds. Uh, well, we should have already excluded the Re'em in addition to the para, Because what was the first reason that the, at least the Mishnah quoted why the, the Shaifah of the para is excluded is because it's uh, referred to by the Parsh of Zaysa as a Karen, as a horn, and not as a Shaifah. But it's compared to the horns of the Re'em, the Karnei Re'em Karnav. So certainly the Re'em should be excluded as well. Taisa says, why didn't the Mishnah mention that? What is the Re'em? So if you look in the Radak, or Sadiqa, and they claim that the Re'em is the, uh, is the unicorn, a mythical creature that has one horn that comes out of its forehead. The problem with that suggestion, that's the way it's interpreted by the Septuagint. That's where they got it from. The problem with that is, is that the Pasuk already implies that the Re'em has more than one horn. Vikarne Re'em Karnov. Its horns are similar to the horns, right, the cow has two, uh, similar to the horns of the Re'em. So it sounds like the Re'em as well has two horns. So there's somewhat of a confusion. What exactly is this Re'em? But Taisus asks, why if the Shaifar of the Parah is excluded because it's called a Karen, in that very same Pesach as compared to the Re'em, the Re'em also should be excluded. So Taisus answers, three lines from the bottom of here, Oisalif, at the end of the line, V'shema enam chalulim ve'enam ru'uyum l'shaifar. No, those, uh, the horns of the Re'em are excluded for a different reason that we didn't even have to mention in the Mishnah. It's already excluded. Meaning, not just because it's called Karen, but because of a more fundamental problem. And what is that? It's not hollow. See, most horns of an animal have a keratin um, shell. A keratin is the same material that your nails are made from. So that's the outer uh, shell of the shoifar. Inside, there's a bone (coughs) core. Uh, inside of the keratin, uh, you know, skeleton, if you will, like exoskeleton, there's a bone core. And then when you want to make a shoifar, um, what you would do is you, you, you dehorn the animal, and then there's a membrane in between the bone core and the keratin shell, and you can drill out the bone core, and that's how you make a, make a shoifar. However, there, it's, uh, after, after you remove the bone, you have a, a different piece, you have this, this shell. However, says Taisvis, the horns of the Re'em, there is no two pieces. There is no shell with a bone uh, core inside of it. It's one solid mass. It's not chalulin. What we would call antlers. Look over here in the back of the page. You see a deer or a moose, a reindeer, or a giraffe. Um, don't have horns like that are similar to other animals. They have antlers, which is just solid bone without any keratin shell on the outside. So you can't make a horn out of the antlers of a deer. They're not chalulim. So Taisa says the, the horns of the Re'em were similar to <coughs> antlers, in which case uh, we didn't even need to mention it because you can't make it into a shaifar. The Ritva goes even further, and the Ritva writes, so back in Oisalif, the second bracket, the Ritva says the whole name shaifar comes miloshan shvoiferes, which means a tube, because you have this bone core inside of this, uh, you know, keratin shell from which you hollow out the, the bone and you make your, your shoifer. 
So since the Re'em is not uh, a Shvoferes, so then it was, of course, never valid for the mitzvah of Shoifah, and therefore we didn't even need to mention it. Okay, so right now, well, you know, we're, a few limitations, but not many. The mission began with a pretty broad statement, Kol HaShoifah's Ksherim, Chutz Mishal Parah, with the exception of Parah, we found three reasons why the Parah should be excluded. And Tysus added, that was the one exception that's found in the Mishnah, Tysus added uh, another one, and that is uh, the horns of the Re'em, because they're solid. If it only has antlers, it doesn't have a typical horn, then, uh, of course, that's not acceptable. However, the Ran, on that Gemara, uh, introduces a, perhaps, third exception to this, and that is that the Shoifer uh, has to come from a kosher, and there are many animals with horns, has to come from a kosher animal. This is based on a principle that the Gemara develops in Masech the Shabbos, on Chav Chesim and Beis, the second source over here, that Lo Hukshru B'Melech HaShomayim Elohar Behemot Ha'erob Ovah. The Pesach says, um, in connection with Tefillim, Lamanti Yataras Hashem Beficha, Min Hamutar Beficha, that the Torah of the Rebbeinu Shalom should be um, in your mouth from something, meaning you should speak about it, in some, therefore, you know, Torah has to be written on something <coughs> which is permissible to put in your mouth. So the 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 type of skins that are used have to come from a kosher animal, and the Gemara says that this relates uh, specifically to the mitzvah of tefillin. All the parts of the tefillin have to come from a kosher animal. So the Ran extends this principle um, to the mitzvah of shayfer as well. That a shayfer can only come from the horn of a kosher animal. The Eilat Shabbos, which is one of the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, classical commentary cited by the Magen Avram throughout the Archaib, so he takes issue with the Ran. He says the Gemara said that this principle only applies to Tefillin. The Gemara asks, with regards to what did we develop this principle on the first line of his base, to what is this relevant? Tefillin. This is only relevant for Tefillin. It's not relevant to other mitzvahs uh, of the Torah that every uh, component uh, every uh, you know piece that we use in you know in uh, piecing together a mitzvah has to come from a kosher animal. This is limited just to tefillin, and he is a raya, because the Gemara says the <coughs> the Shabbos or asks one of the coverings on top of the Mishkan, the most colorful one. Perhaps you see in all the pictures was the tachash. Now the tachash is extinct, and we don't really know what kind of animal the tachash was. It only existed in times of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says, uh, but the Gemara asks, what kind of animal was it? Was it a kosher animal? Was it a treif animal? The Gemara's not sure. Then the Gemara says, well, was it a behema? Was it a chaya? Was it a domesticated animal or a wild animal? And again, the Gemara is not sure. And of course, this, this is laden with, with meaning and significance. But the Gemara entertains the possibility that the tachash was a treif animal. At the same time, that was one of the skins that covered the Mishkan. So Rashi, already in that Gemara, it's actually on the same duff. Rashi in that Gemara already asks, I thought How then could we possibly have used the tachash skin if it was a non-kosher animal on top of the mishkan? And Rashi says because this principle is limited to hilchus tefillin, but in other areas of halacha, it doesn't necessarily have to come from a kosher animal. Can we prove from chilazan? Chilazan was a dye. It's not really it made from. A, it was made from. A, we, we don't know what it is, but yeah. But that's the dye. I don't know if that's the same. Used with scissors. Shani was also. Yeah, I don't think that was either. I don't know if it means. Even, even, even if it would extend to other misses, I don't know if we'd apply it that far. All the dyes also have to come from kosher. I don't know. I don't know. 
So that was the Eilat Shabbos' kasha on the Ran. This principle is limited to Hilchas Tefillin. The Magen Avram defends the Ran, and he, say, he says that he feels that uh, perhaps that Gemara of the Tachash was before this principle was settled law, you know, but once the principle was developed, it applies to Hilchas Tefillin and all uh, other mitzvahs as well. The Ran felt we could derive from Hilchas Tefillin a paradigm to other mitzvahs. And we find another area where tefillin serves as a paradigm, a springboard for all other mitzvahs um, in the Torah. And that's with regards to a woman's exemption from time-bound mitzvahs. Mitzvah says, as my grandma, women are potter. The Gemara Mitzvah is Kiddush, and that Hey derives that from tefillin, because tefillin is connected to Talmud Torah. The Pasuk says, V'shinantem v'venech v'dibar tabam. Very next Pasuk is, U'kshatem li'ois al-yodcho t'atafas b'neinecha. So the Gemara says, just like women are put from Talmud Torah, because the Apostle says, Your sons and not your daughters. So women are put from Talmud Torah. By extension, they're put from Tefillin that's found in the very next Pasuk. And just like Tefillin is a mitzvah sasecha, as mangrama is a time-bound mitzvah, from there we derive all mitzvah sasecha, as mangrama, women are exempt from. So the Mogan Avram says, we find a president that Tefillin serves as a paradigm for all of the other mitzvahs of the Torah. So just like Tefillin is a mitzvah that says, my grandma, women are potter, so to all the other mitzvahs of the Torah, so to the Ran felt, just like Tefillin has to be. From Behemoth Tahira, so to Ohoshim, Wacha Shamayim, or Behemoth Tahira, by other mitzvahs of the Torah as well. What is the Ran coming to exclude? A Behemoth Tmeya. Not a Torah. Para is already, para is a kosher animal, is already excluded. We have three oh, reasons. Reason para is off the table. The deer and the moose and the reindeer, the giraffe, off the table because that's just antlers and no horn. Now the Ron says it has to come from a kosher, kosher animal. We're debating, uh, and the Achorim debate if there is the Ron, uh, you know, is his argument, uh, is, is, that, uh, is that a legitimate argument? And that's a machleik as Achorim. It has other nafkaminas, lamaisa. For example, if we wanted to make, you know, uh, th- this is discussed by the, by the Achorim, you want to make, like, say, a shark skinned urin, you know, or uh, a lion skinned urin or something. Or they discuss uh, using pig fat for lighting, habakas, neiris Hanukkah. You know, in many other areas of halacha, do all of the components of the mitzvah have to come from kosher animals? Would depend on this uh, guess. Fine. How do we paskin? We exclude uh, kosher animals, if, uh, non-kosher animals. If you look, Oisiralaf on the other side of the page where this uh, halacha is found, the Ramah quotes at the end of the second line, Oisiralaf, v'chein for me behematemeya apostle. The shayfer has to come from a kosher animal. That is citing the Ran. Is there a prohibition against eating the, uh, the horn of an animal? It wouldn't seem to me there's like no. Then it's it's not edible. The distinction between the horn and uh, and tefillin, like for for the tefillin, you're actually taking the aro, which is something that you could. You're saying it's not edible. Yeah, it's not. It's not something that's not mutter beficha. Interesting point. Another argument against the run. You're saying even if we would extend it to other things, who's to say it extends to inedible parts of the animal? And the horn is inedible. What is not edible? The aro that you make tefillin from is also. Not it's also not edible. The skin is not edible either. Yeah. However, so, okay, so the Ran made a big deal about it. It, it found its way into Shulchan Aruch. The Be'er Hagayla... Huh? An available or a trade No, no, it just has to come from a kosher animal. It doesn't have to be slaughtered. No, no, no. <laughs> the uh, Be'er Hagayla, though, on the side of the Shulchan Aruch, over there, Simon Tuf Kuf Pevav, Sif Aleph, quotes uh, from one of the other Achreidim, a contemporary of his, uh, who said, even though the Ran made a big deal about it, there is no animal that's not kosher that produces horns. Because the Gemara says in Masech, this Nidon, Daphnun Aleph, I think, that every animal that has horns has split <coughs> hooves as well. So there really is no animal that has horns um, that is trafe. There is one animal that is not kosher that has horns. 
the, well, I gave it away on the other side of the page, but yeah, the rhinoceros. But the rhinoceros already would have been excluded anyway, because the rhinoceros is the only animal whose horn is solid keratin. There is no bone um, um, uh, interior. The entire thing, that's why the horn of the rhinoceros is the strongest horn of all of the animals, because it's solid uh, nail, it's solid keratin. So you can hollow it out. Elephant is a tooth. That's tusks. It's made out of, uh, of ivory. It's not made out of keratin. So that's, that's like taking a tooth and making a making a show. That would for sure be no good. But the rhinoceros uh, is the only non-kosher animal to produce a horn, but even so, would probably be excluded because it's, again, not hollow. So just like Tyson said, you can't use antlers, probably couldn't use the rhinoceros horn either. Okay, so we have a few limitations, right? The Mishnah began with a pretty broad statement. Kol para. All the animals that produce horns are kosher, except a cow with three reasons. Tyson added antlers, so the deer and the giraffe are out because there's no you know, shell with an interior. And then the round says it has to come from a kosher animal, but we just demonstrated there really is no non-kosher animal that produces a usable, uh, a usable shifer. They're pretty broad. <coughs> um, but then you have the Gemara, Mesephus, Rosh Hashanah, Chavavah, Mebez, that seems to, um, uh, I'm sorry, on Tazayin, which seems to narrow the focus uh, greatly. The Gemara there quotes from Rabbi Avo, Lama Taikam Shoifer Sho Ayo, why do we use Rosh Hashanah, the Shoifer of a ram, in order to remind the Rebunshum of Akedas Yitzchak, Umalani Alechem, whoever blows the Shoifer of a ram, Malani Alechem, Kilokadatem Asmachem Lafanai. If we use the Shoifer of a ram, Akadish Baruch will consider it as if we offered ourselves as a carbon, as a sacrifice to the Rebunshalem. Now, this seems to imply that, of course, it's preferable to use the Shoifer of a ram. And according to Rav Harishayanim, this is a dust that didn't lichachilo. Yes, the Mishnah said he could use any shoifer, with, with a few exceptions, right? But, ideally, lechatchila is a mitzvah to use the shoifer of ram. It reminds me of Shalom of Akedas Yitzchak. That's the way it's interpreted by Roiv HaRishonim. The Rambam, over here, Perak Alf, Hilcha Shoifer, Locha Aleph, takes this statement of the Gemara and Tezayin Amad Aleph as, uh, you know, as uh, the last word on the matter. No, there is no other option. This statement is in disagreement with the Mishnah, Chavav Amad Aleph, you could use any shoifer, this Gemara disagrees with that and says, no, you cannot use any shoifer. There's maybe it's a machlekes tanoim, but according to the Rambam, you must use the shoifer of an ayo. So therefore, it says the Rambam over here on the uh, end of the first line, v'shoifer shetoiken boi, bein b'rosh Hashanah, bein b'yoyevel, hu keren akvasim akafuf, it has to be a curved shoifer of a ram, v'chol hashoifer is p'sulin, chutz mi keren akeves. It's possible. If it's not uh, the Karen of a Keves, the Raiva disagrees. He says, Where did he get this from? This is just a Dinla Chachila. It's not Ma'akib B'diyevid. But according to the Rambam, uh, this is in fact Ma'akib B'diyevid. You must have the Shoifer of the Isle. It disagrees with the Mishnah. This Gemara disagrees with the Mishnah Chavavim and Aleph. How do you know that you need a Shoifer altogether? Pasik says you're supposed to blow a Shoifer. Pasik, what? No. Tikkah Yeah, there's a bunch of Popsukim. No, the Mitzvah Shoifer appears in the Torah. Where? In Pasha's Pinchas. Yeah. We didn't give you the Pasuk. I figured you... That's yeah. it. Teruah doesn't say any Yeah, Teruah, okay. So that's... Uh, yeah, no, but the word Shoifer appears. Shifer. I don't remember the language of the Pasuk right now, but yeah, the, language, the word Shoifer appears. So it has to be... Uh, yeah. So the Ramam says it has to be Dafka and Ayo. It can't be um, the Shoifer of another animal. How do we Paskin? So Shulchan Aruch, we paskin like Rav Arishayim. Look uh, over here, Eisir Aleph. This one, all of this is in one sip in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says that Shayfa Shuvah Shoshana Mitzvah Soi 
Fishel ayo, it's uh, you know proper to use an ayo. Bidiyeved kol hashayfes kasher. Bidiyeved other shayfers are kasher, but lechatchila is supposed to be the shayfer uh, of an ayo. So okay, if one were to use then in our times a shayfer of another animal, it would be kasher bidiyeved lechatchila. We're supposed to use an ayo. That's what we see in most of our shuls an ayo. You know, it's it's ironic though. There's one community that claims to adhere completely to the Psachim of the Rambam, to the opinions of the Rambam, even when it's in disagreement with the Shulchan Aruch, and that is the, the Teimani, uh, the Yudhite <coughs> community, claims to follow the Rambam, you know, even when you can't find uh, the Rambam anywhere you know, near the Shulchan Aruch, they follow the opinions of the Rambam. Um, but, ironically, that's the one community that has, uh, you know, has traditionally not used the Shoif of an Isle. They use uh, the Shoifar of what is known as the, the Kudu, which is a type of antelope. Look over here on the other side of the page. Um, on the left side, you'll see that's the kudu, and you know, with the shayfer still attached to its head. And then you can see on the bottom, on the bottom left, that's a kudu shayfer, which I'm sure we've seen in many, many pictures uh, having to do with Rosh Hashanah. That is not the shayfer of an ayo at all. There is no ram that produces such a horn. That only comes from an African kudu, which is a kind of antelope, which is somewhere in between a goat and some other uh, animal. Yeah, it's a kosher animal. But it's, um, but it's not the shayfer of an isle. So for us, if we would want to, you're not from the Taimani community, you want to use it, okay, but the Yevid Yoytse, you really should use the shayfer of an isle. But according to the Rambam, you're not Yoytse with this animal. Yeah. The Yemenite rabbi in yeah. the old city told uh, me uh-huh. they're not doing it anymore. They only did it because they couldn't find, you know, a regular shofar. And he said that they got special permission from the Rambam to do that because they couldn't find another shofar. But he said... Since then, today, when they're in Israel, they're not using any more this shofar. Ah, so there was, already, yeah, there was already Rabbi Yichra, Yichya Kapach, who was the father of uh, Rabbi Yosef Kapach. Rabbi Yosef Kapach was, of course, the um, very well-known rabbi of the Temani community. Once they came to Eretz Israel, he was served on the, on the, the, on the, the, the Beis Anakot of the Rabbanut, together with Rabbi Yashif, and Ritzipe Frank and Rabbi Adi Yosef. And his father was already the rabbi of the Taimani community while still in Yemen. And he, um, pro- once they came to Eretz Yisrael, he protested against this, the use of the Kudu Shaifa and probably was successful in many parts of the Taimani community to abandon the use of the Kudu Shaifa because it doesn't conform to their general platform of, uh, of, uh, of uh, ascribing to all of the opinions of the Rambam. According to the Rambam, if you use such a Shaifa, you're not Yodzei. However, there was an argument, huh? No. You can, it's a mitzvah to use the shayfar of, of an ayo, but the you don't have to. And the Taimanis always follow the Ramah? Always. 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 Even when it's against the Shulchan against the Shulchan Because yeah. he saved the community. There was the problem there with mixed marriages. I don't, I don't know exactly. And they got a psak from him, and he, supposedly he saved the community. And since then, the Yemenites go only by the Ramah. So there is, though, an argument to perhaps prefer the Kudu shayfar over the shayfar of an ayo. Why? Because the Gemara says over here, Masechus uh, Rosh Hashanah Chavavah Mebeis. And Rabbi Kapach compiled many of these arguments. We'll get to his, uh, his uh, point in a, in a minute. So the Gemara says over here, Chavavah Mebeis, I'm Rabbi Levi, Mitzvah Shah Rosh Hashanah V'Shal Yom Kippurim B'Kafufin. The Mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is with a curved, or curly shoifar. V'Shal Kol HaShanah B'Pshutin. Other times they would use a straight shoifar. Which is Kippur? Huh? What? It's Kiyav so he says, uh, Rebbevi says in Rosh Hashanah, we should use a curved shayfar. But then the Gemara at the end of the first line quotes from the Mishnah, shayfar shal Rosh Hashanah shal yal pashit. No, the shayfar of Rosh Hashanah was the shayfar of a straight uh, ibex. 
Ya'el of an ibex of a goat, poshet, which was straight. What is that? So turn to the other side of the page, just so you know what we're talking about. On the second uh, row, the second picture from the left is an ibex, which is a real kind of a goat that has a, what, I guess, sort of straight horns. Right? It doesn't make as pronounced the curve as the ram's horn, which is right next to the rhinoceros on the top. Okay, so that's Shoifa Shal Ya'el Poshet. They used to use uh, on Rosh Hashanah the straight horn of the ibex. So are we using straight horns in Rosh Hashanah or are we using curved horns? Sigmar actually says in Machlekes Hatanoim, in the second line, the Gemara quotes the Sanri, Behuda Oime, Rosh Hashanah, Yutayka, Bishos, Lecharim, Kafufin. One Mishnah says they used to use Yao Poshet in Rosh Hashanah, a straight horn. And then we have another Bryce of Rabbi Yehuda that they used to use Kafufin. They used to use a curved and curly horn in Rosh Hashanah. So it's a Machlekes Tanoim. Rashi, there gives a fantastic explanation for this Machlekes Hatanoim, is that it's uh, actually based on a Machlekes in the Gemara Masech, this Yavamas and Afkufhei, about how uh, a person should uh, position himself when he's davening. What should his posture be? One opinion, the Gemara is, you're supposed to be bent over in humility before Kaddish Baruch Hu. The other opinion, the Gemara is, no, you're supposed to be standing up uh, straight, honest, dealing, you know, straightforward with the Rebbein Shalalam when you're davening. So that Machlekes uh, gets translated into the shape of the Shaifer as well. According to the opinion, you're supposed to be, you know, slouched over in humility, the shayfar should be curved as well. According to the opinion, you're supposed to be standing up straight, so the shayfar should be uh, straight as well. Why should our position during tefillah have anything to do, you know, our, our posture, have anything to do with the shape of the shayfar? So the shayfar Shmuel and many, many others derive from here that the shayfar is a vehicle for tefillah, is a form of uh, crying out to the Rebbeinu Shalalam on Rosh Hashanah. It's not just a mitzvah hayoyim like lulav on sukkis or matzah on Pesach. Uh, that, so too we have to hear the shayfar. It has another dimension to it, another aspect, and that is that it's, uh, it enhances our tefillah. It itself is part of the tefillah's hayoyim of Rosh Hashanah. And that's why our posture during tefillah gets translated into the shape of the shayfar too. This position is highlighted by, uh, by Rashi Shita with regards to blowing during the Shemona Esrei, during the Tekiyos Al-Seda Abrochis. The Gemara says over here in Rosh Hashanah, Lamedal Mebeis, that the tkiyas ubrachas of Rosh Hashanah are ma'akvas. The tkiyas and the brachas are ma'akvas zuazu. You can't have one without the other. <coughs> so Rav HaRishayim understood this to mean you can't have the tkiyah without the trua. You can't have the, the shvarim without the tkiyah. All the tkiyas are crucial to fulfilling the mitzvah of tkiyah shayfar. And you can't have the brach, you can't have malchias without zechernis and shayfars. You can't have shayfars without zechernis and malchias. You need all uh, in the set. But not that brachos... And Tkiyah Shaifer, Malchi, Zechernis, and Shaifers are essential to Tkiyah Shaifer. Tkiyah Shaifer is essential to Malchi, Zechernis, and Shaifers. That far they didn't go. Just you need each one within each distinct area. You have to have the entire set. Rashi is unique. Rashi's position was, and we'll see this in a second, that was the Rivet's position too. Seems to have been the position of the Ritz Gaius, as the Rush quotes as well, is that no, you need the Tkiyah Shaifer in order to fulfill Malchi, Zechernis, and Shaifers. In order to say Malchus Echonis and Shaifers, you need Tkiyah Shaifar. You need Tkiyah Shaifar, you need Malchus Echonis and Shaifers to fulfill Tkiyah Shaifar. The Ma'ak Vazu Azu. Taisus says, how do you see that? Because the Ravid says also, the, the Brochus and the Tkiyah are Ma'ak Vazu Azu. So much so that the Rush quotes from the Ritzgeus, the Minig Bishtei Yeshivis, which was that they only said Malchus Echonis and Shaifers during the Chazaras Hashats, when they were going to blow. They didn't blow during the Sinai Shmonesrei. So since they were blowing during the Sanchman Esrei, they didn't say Malchus and Zechrenus and Shaifers either. Because if you're not blowing, you can't say Malchus, Zechrenus and Shaifers. So they said a regular, you know, Musaf Shman Esrei. 
And only the Chazan said Malchi Zechernis and Shifers that would come together with Kiyosh Shifer. You can't have Malchi Zechernis and Shifers without Kiyosh Shifer. And that's Rashi's position too. But Tysus asked, huh? What did he Shabbos? They, uh, did they blow on Shabbos? No, yeah. no, don't say Malchi's. They didn't say Malchi Zechernis and Shifers, yeah. Oh. We don't have the Minik Bishtei Shivas, so it's hard to comment. But, um, so the um, Tysus asked on Rashi, though, it seems to be against the Gemara, because the Gemara said if you have a dilemma, you have one town with a blowing, and one town where they have a Chazan who knows Malchi Zechernis and Shifers. <coughs> so which town should you go to? Should you go to the place where they're blowing? Should you go to the place where they're going to say Malchus, Zechernis, and Shoifers? So the Gemara says you should go to the place that they're blowing, because Tkiya, Shoifers, they raisa, and uh, Malchus, Zechernis, and Shoifers is only Midrabanan. So better go to the place where they're blowing than to go to the place where they have Malchus, Zechernis, and Shoifers. But it sounds like you can't have both, and nonetheless, they could both exist independently. So it says Tysus, you see here, not like Rashi. Rashi said you can only say Malchus, Zechernis, and Shoifers together with Tkiya, Shoifers. You see that they could exist independently. So many Achrayim explain for Rashi. That Rashi felt, no, independently, Malchus, Zechernis, and Shoifers, you can say it, but it's only Dirabonon. When it comes together with Kiyah Shoifer, it becomes a mitzvah midiraisa. Because Rashi says, comments on the Pasuk, <coughs> in Parashas Emor, Zichra and Trua, that Rosh Hashanah is a Zichra and Trua, Rashi says, Psuke Zichrainos, Psuke Shoifers, Lizko Lachem HaKedis Yisro Shikarv Tachazayo. What does the Pasuk mean when it says Zichra and Trua? That's a reference to the mitzvah to say Malchi is Zechrenus and Shifers. The Ramban says it can't mean that. The Gemara said that Malchi is Zechrenus and Shifers is only Midrabanan. If you have a dilemma, which town should you go to? The place where they're blowing, the place where they say Malchi is Zechrenus and Shifers. You choose the place where they're blowing, not the place where they're Malchi is Zechrenus and Shifers, because that's only Midrabanan. How could it be then that Zechra and Trua is referring to a requirement to say Malchi is Zechrenus and Shifers? So again, the Achorinim explained for Rashi that when it comes together with Kiyah Shoifar, that transforms the Malchus Achorinus and Shoifaris into being a mitzvah midairaisa. Because it enhances the tefillah. The Shoifar is part of the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, part of the tefillah of Smosov. So it enhances the Malchus Achorinus and Shoifaris to become a din dairaisa. What kind of tefillah is it? You know, like a... It's a, it's a crying out to the Rebbe Shalom. We exhausted the script. We exhausted everything we have to say, but we're viscerally, you know, viscerally call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, to help us. And it's a, it's a, it's a crying out to the Rebbe Shalom, a begging, uh, a pleading uh, for assistance and for, for salvation. Okay, so that's part of the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, and that's why, since we assume a person's supposed to be bent over in tefillah and humility before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the shofar should be bent as well. Does the shofar have to be bent? So again, there are many animals that have straight horns. And the Mishnah said, you could use any animal with the exception of a para. We said the antlers, okay, it has to come from a kosher animal. But it sounds like all kosher animals, as long as it has, you know, even if it has a straight horn, it's fine. So that's why Rav HaRishonim again interpret this Gemara that you should use a curly or curved horn, a shofar, as a din, you know, lichat chilo. But it's not me'akeh b'diyevet. And that's the way the Shulchan Aruch quotes it in Simon Tavkov Vav Sif Aleph. Shofar Shorash Hashanah Mitzvah Subesho Ayo Kafuf. It's a mitzvah to use that of a ram and have it curved. Bidi Eved Kol Hashofar Shkshirim. Even the shofar from another animal. Bein Peshutim Bein Kafufim. Whether it's bent or whether it's straight. Mitzvah Bikfufim. Okay, but it's a mitzvah to use Kafufim. Yosemi Peshutim. You should use a curved shofar, but it's not Ma'akev Bidi Eved. However, again, here the Rambam claims that the shofar uh, has to be kafuf. The Rambam says uh, that uh, you must use karen hakfasim hakafuf. Any other shofar is invalidated; it's no good. 
So it must be a shofar that is kafuf. Can't use a shofar that is stray. So the problem with, uh, we don't pass like the Rambam, but the problem is, is that if one will want to use the shofar of an aisle that's curved, so we have a problem with our shofars, because our shofars, yeah, look over here, the pictures of the shofars, uh, again, in order to create a shofar, you have this keratin exterior, and you have to hollow out the bone that's inside. Oftentimes, you have to drill it. The problem is, if you look at the shofar as the way that it grows on the ram's head, um, it's curved, you know, quite, you know, extremely. So you, we don't have drill bits that uh, curve like that. So how are you going to drill out at least, you know, the narrowest part of the shofar? It's going to be difficult to drill. So that's why almost all of our shofars are straight. So you look at the, on the right-hand uh, side of the first, co- first row, that's a typical shoifer, or on, you know, right underneath that, another typical shoifer. See how it's straight, where the mouthpiece is? That's because they heated the shoifer and, made, and straightened it. Well, and then they form, huh? Maybe they're still called curved. Uh-uh. And then they, um, they uh, carve out a mouthpiece. So more expensive shoifers have better mouthpieces and much easier to blow. And uh, cheaper shoifers have, don't have worse mouthpieces. And that's why it's more, you know, more difficult to blow. But again, they straightened out half the shoifer. So because of that, Rabbi Kapach printed an article in 1970 in a journal called Sinai, where he argued that many of our shoifers are not kafufim because it's really not that bent anymore. And let's recall that the Mishnah said in Mishnah Rosh Hashanah, we just saw it, that what is an example of a straight shofar? Shel Yal Pashat, the shofar of the Ibex. Look at the shofar of the Ibex uh, over here on the second column, is the, you know, right next to the Kudu, which you can't miss. Right? So right next to that, you have the shofar of the Ibex. That you know, goes like this. I mean, it curves somewhat. It's not as pronounced, but it curves. And nonetheless, that's called straight. That's not good. That's not curved enough. It's not curly enough. So is there really such a difference anymore between our shoifer shalayo, which is not really curved, right, only at the edge, and the shoifer of the ibex? It's not so clear that our shoifer is considered kafuf anymore. So it is shalayo, yes, but it's not as curved. So Rabbi Kapach suggested, first, the best would be to have the shoifer of a ram that was never straightened which is harder to drill out and harder to produce, but he advocated for that. So if you want to see such a shoifer, that's over here right next to the ibex on the second row is a shoifer of a ram that was never straightened. You can produce it, but it, again, it's much harder and probably be harder to blow. So he advocated for that, but if in the absence of that, if you're only going to have a straightened shoifer of an aisle or the kudu shoifer, which is clearly, right, curvy, has three curves in it, so then perhaps the shoifer of the kudu is preferable to the shoifer of an aisle once the shoifer of the aisle is straightened. How do you know that? Because the Mishnabura writes over here, Oisir Aleph, the Mishnabura says, well, let's say I, the only two options I have are the shoifer of an aisle, which is straightened, or the shoifer of another animal, which is curvy. So the Mishnabura quotes from the Prima Gadim, he says over here, um, on the second line, mm-hmm. If I have an aisle poshut, a ram which has been straightened, and I have, by heating it, or I have kafuf from a different animal, <coughs> he doesn't tell us which one is better or preferable. <laughs> it's better to have a curved shoifer rather than to have a straight shoifer of an aisle. So therefore, by Kapach suggests that perhaps a justification for the Taimani practice of using the kudu shoifer 
was because um, that, uh, that is certainly curved, as opposed to our shoifers of an aisle, which are uh, perhaps not curved. But Ram doesn't actually... Ram <coughs> says that Correct. You could have read the Rambam that Kofuf is not Ma'akev either. You could, and there are some Akhredim who read the Rambam that way. But most assume that when the Rambam gives his rules and he says every other chauffeur is possible, he means to include not only Avakeves, because he defined already this show Avakeves as being curved, he means to include the cuff of part two. But you're right, there are Akhredim who read it that way. But then if you would read it that way, the chauffeur of an aisle is always preferable to Kafuf. The Mishnah Brewer says just the opposite. The Mishnah Brewer says Shaifer of Kafuf is preferable to Ayo. So that might indicate the Mr. Brewer read the Rambam the, other way. The, the way we're reading it. Yeah. The acid will burn through the keratin also. No? Not acid really. doesn't go I through mean, an acid? Sure, I'm sure there's different types, but keratin, I think, goes on. It's resistant? Resistant more to acids. Interesting. Which is That's not typically how it's produced. It's typically how produced they, by drill. How they do in the old days? They didn't I think they used a knife. Just went in, but how, how would they get through a kudu? I mean, that's crazy. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of boring through. All right, a lot of... Uh, yeah, I don't know how they would go about producing it. <laughs> so, but the, the best of all would be a non-processed uh, ram's horn. That would be the best of all. But in the absence of that, Rabbi uh, Kapach argued perhaps the kudu shoifer is preferable to our straightened, you know, uh, mass-produced... A ram's horn. Others would disagree with Rabbi Rabbi Kapok's argument that, come on, it's not the same. Look at the Ibex shoifar. It doesn't have any pronounced bends in it. As opposed to, let's say, a ram's horn, even after it's been straightened, look at the two pictures on the right side, there is a significant you know, right angle at the edge of the shoifar. So it is more bent than the shoifar of the Ibex, and therefore, perhaps it's not considered pashut, it's considered kafuf. And moreover, it could be that when the Mishnah says that Shalyao Pashut is no good, it wasn't referring to this Ibex, which has shoifers that pretty, you know, bend a lot. It might have been referring to a different animal, which could also be referred to as the Yao Pashut, which is the bottom right-hand corner, which is the Gemsbach, or, or an Oryx, which has really straight horns. That's Shalyao Pashut. That's what the Mishnah meant to say is no good. And you can buy a shofar of a gem spark. They have them at these exotic shofar uh, locations. So you, the, bottom, the, the, middle button, the, the bottom, bottom one is a, is a kudu shofar again, which is for sale. It's about uh, $2,000. And on top of that is a gem spark shofar, or an Oryx, which is about $1,000. So you can buy them. They're, 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 they are for sale. Do you be yotze be the with the Ibex, uh, with, the, uh, you know, with the Oryx? Um, even though it's straight, but according to the Rambam, of course, uh, that would be no good. And it's always preferable to use um, um, the shoifer of a ram, assuming that it's curled. And we presume at least our shoifers are somewhat curled. There's one other problem with the shoifer of the kudu. Again, it's not only the Taimani community that embraced this. Uh, you know, I would say the, the, you know, the, the conservative and reform communities that are looking to make a bigger uh, demonstration. Rosh Hashanah say, oh, it's a big horn, it's very impressive. Um, there's another problem with blowing it, other than, of course, abandoning the mitzvah of Chachil, and according to the Rambam, the entire mitzvah of Tia Shaifer, um, is because it's not blown the way that it grows on the head of the animal. The Gemara says over here, Oisid Beis, if I turn the Shaifer around, Havcha v'takabo lo yotza. So the Gemara says, that not only means if I uh, invert the Shaifer, meaning I take the inside and make it outside, the outside and make it inside, I could take an undershirt and put it inside out. That's for sure no good. But even if I blow from the wrong end, you're supposed to blow from the narrow end, 
and uh, the sound comes out of the, the wider end. Well, we bought from the narrow end, Min Karasika. We call Kaddish Baruch from the straights, from the, from the narrow part. And the sound comes out from the other end. But even if I would crimp the other end and widen the narrow end and turn it around, you would not be yoyed to the midst of Tkiah Shaifar. Why not? So the Mishnah Brewer over here, Oisid Gimel, a quote from the Achronim, because the Ba'inon Sheyeh Kederach Gideloso. You have to blow the Shaifar the way it grows on the head of the animal. The, just like we have by the Dawid Minim, right? You have to hold it the way it grows on the tree. So too, you have to hold uh, the shofar when you're blowing it the way that it grows on the animal. Right? If you turn the esrog upside down, you're not yoy The shofar, if you turn it around, you blow it in a way that it's not, it didn't grow on the head of the animal that way, um, that's no good. So even if you would take the shofar and turn it around, then I would crimp the wide end. Well, you have to blow from the narrow end. So I crimp the wide end and widen the narrow end, still no good because it's opposite of the way that it grows on the animal. <coughs> so the problem with the kudu shofar, another problem with the kudu shofar, is I look at the way it grows on the animal. The wide end is attached to his head, and then it comes up. When you blow at kudu shofar, though, you blow from the narrow end, and you have the uh, wide end up in the air. So when you're blowing from it, you're blowing from it not the way that it grows on the head of the animal. That's Shalok Kederach As opposed to the shofar of a ram, it grows. The wide end is on top, and the narrow end is below. It comes down like uh, payas, right? The narrow end is below. That's why the ram is so religious. So if you, when you blow it, even though the water end is up, that's the way it grows on the animals. So it's another reason to prefer, perhaps, the shoifer of the, of the aisle. Okay, so the, even though the Mishra began with a pretty broad statement, it's not as simple as it might seem. The par was excluded. Anthos were excluded. Kosher, you know, and kosher animals. And then we narrowed it tremendously that really it's supposed to be the shoifer of an aisle, and it should be a curved shoifer. Perhaps our shoifers are still curved. And we should attempt to use uh, Dafka, the shoifer of an aisle, not the shoifer uh, uh, of, of another animal. And we should attempt to make sure that it's kafaf. Why are we so, though, uh, you know, adamant that it should be the shoifer of the aisle? So the Gemara already told us that it's because it reminds the Rebbe of a Kedas Yitzchak. And if we bring the blow the shoifer of an aisle, Kaddish Baruch Hu will consider it as if we uh, sacrificed ourselves before the Rebbe Shalom uh, on Rosh Hashanah. You know, when the Gemara discussed using the shayf of a para, so the Gemara said you can't use the shayf of a para. One of the reasons was it reminds me of the Chet Ego. And the Gemara compared it to the golden garments that are worn by the Kohen Gadol, that he doesn't wear the golden garments in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, only outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he can't wear the golden garments. En Katego, Nazis, and Ego reminds me of the Chet Ego. Outside, we're not as concerned. Outside, we're not as concerned. There's a, Kodesh Rakh was more sensitive to hypocrisy inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim than outside. In fact, you find the Gemara says Masef Yuma that the Beis Hamikdash was positioned in which, uh, which one of the Shvatim? So the majority of the Beis Hamikdash was actually in Sheva Yehuda. The Kodesh HaKadoshim was in Sheva Binyamin. That's what the Gemara says. So Meshachachma explains why did the Kodesh HaKadoshim have to be in the Sheva of Binyamin? He's the only one of the Shvatim who didn't participate in Mechiras Yosef. Ah, if he's the only and, uh, we can't remind the Barashim of Mechiras Yosef. Ah, but if HaKadosh Baruch is going to be so sensitive, what about the rest of the Beis Hamikdash? So the Meshachachma says, no, Kaddish Baruch Hu is more sensitive to this kind of hypocrisy in the Kaddish HaKadoshim. There we can't have any such, uh, such, such reminders of Mechiros Yosef, of the Chet Ego. Outside, Kaddish Baruch Hu seems to have a greater tolerance for our, for our, for our, for our shortcomings. However, the Gemara asks, Tzkiah Shaifer is not taking place in the Kaddish HaKadoshim. Why can't I use the Shaifer of a power? Reminds me of the Chet Ego. That's not happening in the Kaddish HaKadoshim. It's happening outside. However, the Gemara says, whenever you blow Tzkiah Shaifer, that's Ke'ilu, uh, Kevin Luzli Karan, who says the Gemara, Kibif Nimdami. It's as if it's happening 
in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Meaning when one blows Ki shofar, he's transported inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and that's why we can't use the shofar of a para. Uh, it's like the Kohen Gadol wearing the golden garments inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Svasemis even says, that's why there's no mitzvah Ali Regal and Rosh Hashanah. We don't have to go. Because once you blow the shofar, you're transported to being inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. How so? Because when a person blows the shofar, it's ki'ilu, he's offering a karban uh, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In fact, Yushalmi says, the last source over here, Yushalmi notices in the karbanas of uh, Rosh Hashanah, there's a different language than we find the karbanas of the other Yom Tovim. The other Yom Tovim, the Pesach says, V'asisem oila. V'hikravtem oila. You should uh, bring close a carbon oila. With regards to Rosh Hashanah, the Pesach says, V'asisem oila. You should make an oila. So the Yushalmi derives from here that it's because we're not just bringing a carbon oila, we ourselves are the carbon. The Pasuk said, the Gemara says, Once we come into Rosh Hashanah and we, uh, we blow the shofar, we're bringing a carbon. And what is that carbon? The carbon is ourselves. We're sacrificing ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu by blowing uh, the shofar. And therefore, a person is transported back to inside of the Kodesh HaKadosh. Whenever you blow the shofar, it reminds HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, this is as if we're offering ourselves uh, as, uh, as the carbon to the Rebani Shalalem. In fact, Moshe Wolfson, Munasi Techa, has a fantastic Ka'ara. He says, we have many parashas in the Torah, but one of them is in parashas Amar, where we find all uh, the mitzvahs hayoyim, matzah, lulav, sukkah, shtei alechem. Then parashas Pinchas is all the karbanas. What karbanas are brought? The mitzvahs hayoyim are not mentioned in parashas Pinchas, with one exception. Shoifar is found amongst the karbanas of parashas Pinchas, not in parashas Amar. So Moshe Wolfson suggests, because by, again, by blowing the shofar, it's either we're bringing a carbon to the Rebbeinu Shalalam, we're sacrificing a carbon, we're sacrificing ourselves to the Rebbeinu Shalalam. Because on Rosh Hashanah, of course, as the author would say, we don't want to become a Besser Amensh, we want to become an Ander Amensh, we want to become a different person. So we're sacrificing our old selves, and hopefully, as Yushalmi says, emerging, hopefully emerging uh, as a new person, not our old selves, that we sacrifice already, and we hope to, to start a new, uh, a new, turn a new page and become a new person. But I must just say a joke, about, in order to de- demonstrate this principle, of a guy who goes into a store to order a suit, and the guy, it's a custom suit, so he measures him, he says, come back in two weeks and your suit will be ready. This guy was the, the top in his field, so he expected the suit to be perfect. The guy comes back to pick up his suit two weeks later, he gives it to him to try on, tries it on, on the, in the dressing room, and the guy starts screaming. He says, what are you making fun of me? Why are you making fun of me? How can you give me such a suit? So the guy says, what are you talking about? I made the suit exactly to the specifications. Come out, let me see it. So he comes out and he sees the suit. It's very, very tight. It doesn't fit him. So then the tailor says to the guy, I, I see your problem. He says, Rabbi, do you have to take off your old suit before you put on the new suit? Otherwise, the new suit won't fit. And so, too, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, we have to be ready to to take off our old selves. And Amir Hashem, therefore, after Rosh Hashanah, emerge uh, new people. And Amir Hashem, if we engage in that, Kaddish Baruch Hu should inscribe us all for Aksiyah, Aksiyah, Taiva, and Aksiyah, 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 Aksi